respect them. They've pastored uh, Believer Center of Albuquerque uh, for um, I'm for going on 40 years, and um, uh, they have uh, really done. They're just sincere, uh, heartfelt uh, pastors uh, in the body of Christ, and so they will minister to us. And then, um, uh, what's the dates? Throw it up there for uh, Jim Hockaday. 26 and 27. So m- Sunday, all day, and Monday, you want to come and uh, for healing and miracle services. Uh, Jim has specialized in this area uh, for a number of years and um, really are seeing great miracles and healings take place. And so not only will he teach on that uh, and pray for the sick, uh, but really uh, express to you how you can live in that and uh, really function in that in reaching out to others uh, and minister healing uh, for others. And so you'll want to uh, come, praise the Lord. If you weren't here this morning or weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, we want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making a check, make it out at New Creation Church. If you're giving by cash or a debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Uh, the number's up there for you to text. Um, we are so grateful, thankful. Uh, if you're watching us online, you can go on to our website or or if you can see the prompt there, go on text. We appreciate your giving, uh, joining us online and uh, being a part of what we're doing here. And um, we're just so thankful for your giving, uh, what God is doing um, just today. I don't know where uh, Shane slipped off to, but they had someone give their life to the Lord to rededicate their Lord uh, their life this morning uh, in service. And so uh, just on a weekly basis, we're seeing people born again. You know, the Bible said that uh, God is adding to the church daily in the book of Acts, such as should be saved. And we're just in the beginning I believe sprinklings of that, more and more people as you reach out, as we're a light in our community in the darkness, more and more people are going to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We are entering into a great time of harvest, I believe, and we've really not even seen the beginnings of that yet. Uh, we're just getting an inkling of what God wants to do in reaching people. And when I say that, we haven't really seen the beginning. We just are getting a sense. And because of that, we're seeing uh, people be stirred uh, to give their life, commit their life to the Lord, even recommit their life where they've gone away and say, you know what, I've been, I've been living my own way, and I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And uh, it changes everything. And sometimes we don't recognize that or we, we just think, well, he's come. I'm going to heaven like we said this morning. And, um, and uh, you know, I can, do, I can do things my way. But when we yield over to him, uh, there is so much more uh, that he will do in our lives in leading us and guiding us because he knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And he wants the best possible outcome for us. may not seem like it when the enemy comes into our life in some way, to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life. He gave us the Holy Spirit to help us through those times. He didn't say they wouldn't come, but he said, when they do come, I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll be with you through that, and when temptings, testings, and trials come, I'll be there. But see, even many Christians don't know that he's there, right? They, they wonder where he is when I go through a time of trouble. But when you begin to know and have a relationship with him, you know he's right here in my trouble. And so I quit asking. I think Tosh was at a conference this week where they said, you know, uh, don't ask why this is coming, right? Sometimes we're just like, why is this happening to me? Why? Um, but when we know that he's there, we're, we're looking at what now? What, God, where are we going? Where are you going to lead me through this uh, thing that's taking place? Amen? And so 
many times we just want to go, why, God, and where are you? Instead of like, I know why this is happening. There's an enemy out there. But thank God you're with me. And so what are we going to do? What action are we going to take? And if we can grow in that and learn that, uh, boy, I'll tell you, God wants to do great things. And so anyway, um, I was just saying we're thankful for your giving and the results and, and the ability uh, there. We have uh, people ministering in the jail. We've seen a number of people saved in the jail. On Tuesday night, we're ministering at an extended table. So not only ministries here, but ministries out in the community that I believe are going to even expand and increase. And even from that, we have a, uh, you might have seen the um, uh, tub out there on the, the front walk there. And so we're doing a coat drive. Uh, God's beloved, Vanessa, uh, is... Uh, said, you know what, she's given away the coats that she's got, and so she can use more coats. And so um, uh, I'll have to bring mine tomorrow. I wasn't thinking about that today. I, I was thinking about coats, and then I forgot to bring them when I came in to study. But um, I got some coats. I don't know if you have some coats. We don't bring our oldest and dirtiest, but there's some coats you're just not wearing anymore. And uh, praise the Lord, with this winter we're having, uh, it'll be good for people to have coats. And so that's just one way we can participate with people who are reaching out and, and love people, lift people up, reach people, and uh, you're doing such a great job, but we're doing it all over. We couldn't do it without you and with your giving, so we're, uh, uh, we appreciate that. We're praying for you that this will be the best year that you've ever had in every way. Uh, John said this, I pray that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So we believe that your soul is prospering in such a way as you hear the word of God and are there that health and prosperity financially uh, comes to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we're ready to give. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give and express our love for you and the covenant that we have, declaring that everything that we have belongs to you and everything that you have belongs to us. We're in a great exchange and divine covenant with you that we acknowledge even as we bring our tithes and our offerings. Because of that, we command the blessings of your word upon each and every one, even as they give in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Praise the Lord. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. I want to jump into a, a few things uh, this evening. I want to thank um, uh, Alan, Pastor Tasha. Uh, this has been an odd January. I haven't been here uh, hardly any Sunday nights. And so they really took Sunday nights and, and uh, ministered and, and really gave you some good word, good things that you could apply to your life. And so I appreciate that so much. I'm so grateful and thankful that we have gifts in the body and uh, they're just continuing to grow and increase and uh, different ones at different times can minister. And uh, I believe as we even move into that, there'll be different ones at different times in any given service. Praise the Lord. And the pastor of Meeker says, praise the Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. When's my turn? Praise the Lord. But seriously, and I've even told the staff, you know, be listening, be ready. If God stirs something on the inside of you, even when I'm, I'm ministering and God gives it to you, uh, be ready. It, we're going to see just different things take place. Amen? And so we want to enter into that, and I want to talk a little bit about praying tonight. And many of you are prayers. Many of you have taken prayer school. And, uh, uh, and so you have you know how to pray. You have a, maybe, for lack of a better term, a style of praying. But some of you don't. And I believe that we've entered into a, a real season, if you will, of prayer. We're not going to see the things get done that God wants to see done in the earth if the body doesn't know how to pray. And prayer is not a duty. 
So often, even as Christians, we've thought, well, I got to pray. If I don't pray, something bad's going to happen. But really, prayer is not a duty. Prayer is a privilege. When we understand that when we were sinners, when we were separate from God, there wasn't really much access. We might pray, but we weren't accessing. We weren't in, in relationship. So Jesus died. The veil was rent from top to bottom that we might have access to the Father, that we would have relationship with him, that we would go beyond religion and step into relationship. Now, I know you've heard that before, but many times that's just kind of a buzzword, kind of a code thing. We go out there, we're sharing Jesus. Well, this isn't about religion. This is about relationship. But even in ourselves, if we had the level of relationship in our marriage that we actually have with God, it would fall apart. If we talk to our spouse as much as we talk to God, we wouldn't be prospering in our marriage relationship, so then we wonder maybe why the body is struggling, why we fall back on religion. But I, I believe God's leading us into a season of prayer where we're not just praying for things and about things, but we're communing with Him. And in that time, we're beginning to realize of what God has done for us in Christ. We get a greater revelation of who he is. That there's that place that I believe that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 40 in our prayer time, in, in, in indulging ourselves in intimate relationship, conversation, if you will, with him. Not like another human being, but a deeper conversation that we're intertwining ourselves with him. That in that place where we're asking and receiving, his thoughts are becoming our thoughts. His ways become our ways because we're spending that time. And, and you'll find this uh, in most any area that you live in and walk in, that you'll be like who you hang around. Right? You hang around with your dog. If you've ever watched that, you know, they, they show things. You hang around with your dog too much. Either your dog looks like you or you look like your dog. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's why I try not to hang around with Lola too much. I, I'll have to shrink and, and uh, uh, you know. But uh, if you hang around with people, you pick up some terminology, you pick up some mannerisms. Now, again, uh, you know, thankfully that there are things that are in us that are just in DNA. I mean, you see things and then all of a sudden you see a relative and you're like, wow, they haven't even been around them and they, they kind of do that. But more so even sometimes than DNA, it's who we hang around. So thank God we're born again. There's going to be things as we learn that are in our DNA. We start responding to because of the life of God that's in us. But then there, there's a response, his thoughts, his ways, right? And so when you sit down and converse with somebody a lot and they share their thoughts with you a lot, you can begin to think more like they think or understand them more. And so when we commune with God, we begin to understand more his thoughts. And we want to understand that because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. How many of you want to come up a level in your thinking? Now listen, it's only about half of you. Well, I'm just telling some of you need to come up in your thinking. <laughs> right. I'm just telling you, you know, you may not want to, but God created the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. He put them in motion. I mean, he, 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 all the magnificent things he did, I think he knows a thing or two. And he's about, been around forever. So he's seen some things you've never seen. He knows some mistakes that have been made that you have not made yet. And he could keep you from making them. He knows some successes that have been done that you haven't seen yet that he could walk you into a success. Right? 
And really, even more than that, he just wants you to walk with him and walk right into the very plan and destiny that he had for you. And able to realize that there's an enemy out there that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to walk with you through that place and instruct us on how we have authority over all of that. So the enemy can't knock us off track. He can't bring us down in any situation because we realize, we begin to recognize, as the Bible says, we're not ignorant of his devices. And we can read that over and over, but yet so many times we are ignorant of his strategy against us. And then we know he has a strategy, and so uh, most Christians aren't even careful understanding the enemy is watching and listening, developing a strategy against us. So if we knew that, we'd be a little bit more tempered in what we say. We'd be a little bit more tempered in what we do. Because, you know, if somebody's developing a strategy against you, they would listen to what you say so that they can go, okay, I know now what they're thinking and how they respond to situations. They would watch what you do. They would watch your patterns, your mannerisms, so they could develop a strategy against you. Now, listen, if our words are are God's words, our thoughts, our ways are his ways, he's not going to be able to figure out a strategy that will work. So when we're aware of that, then secondly, we need to be aware that God's watching us. God's listening to us. So he knows what we're doing, why we're doing it. He knows what we're saying. And he says he watches over his word to perform it. So when we're saying his word, he's like, I'm ready to jump on that and start making it happen. Right? And so when we get to that place, prayer Communion with God becomes very, very important. And so we launched into the year, uh, uh, speaking of these couple of scriptures, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In other words, you're going to grain understanding, but too often when, when we're, we're talking to God, we're praying and we get an unction, we're like, well, you know, thank you, Lord, but I don't think that will work. He said, don't lean on your own understanding. You may have your own understanding, but don't allow yourself to simply lean on your own understanding, but begin to trust him, knowing he understands more than I do. I'm going to lean on him, or I'm going to put my trust in him. In all of your ways... Acknowledge him and he'll direct your path in all of your ways, in your relationship ways, in your thoughts, in your speaking, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Again, I'll say this again because I believe it's important where we're at, not just in your church ways. Don't just come to church and impress everybody with your spirituality. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. God, I'm going to acknowledge you in the way I speak. I'm going to acknowledge you in my thoughts. The Bible says that, right? If you recognize your thoughts, you'll recognize what thoughts are of him and in obedience to him and which aren't. And he said, capture, capture and throw down the ones that are not. So when I submit my thoughts to him, God, is this your thought? No, that's not my thought. I capture it. I throw it down. God, is this the way I should be speaking? No, quit speaking that way. Quit saying that about yourself. Quit saying that about your situation. All of our ways acknowledge him. You say, you keep saying that. You've been saying that since December. Right. Until we all in unison are speaking like him and thinking like him, we need to keep thinking that. We need to keep saying it, right, so we get on board. All right. And so he says, then he can direct our path. And he wants to direct our path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil, and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Wow. 
something's going to emerge from this, health and strength. Health and strength. Health and strength. So there's not, oh, well, there's no end to this. No, there's things that are going to take place. Health and strength for us. All right? Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. In other words, don't keep looking at the world and, and fret at what they're doing, or be envious because they don't seem to serve God and, and everything seems to be doing really great for them. He said, don't do that, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will bring it to pass. He'll bring it to pass. So if he promised it, he'll perform it. If he said it, he'll do it. All right, turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and starting in verse 4. Paul says here, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, or take anxiety for no thing. Anybody here taking some anxiety for anything recently? All right, so we're seeing God's will for our life is not that we have anxiety overwhelming our life and beginning to lord over us anxiety, stress, uh, thoughts that just take us down the wrong road. He said, be anxious for nothing, praise the Lord, but by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or anything virtuous, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what gets us in anxiety? Thinking about the wrong things. So he said, through prayer, we can begin to position ourselves to think differently. And then when we come out of times of prayer, we maintain our thinking based on what we're getting in prayer. So how we pray, how we engage in relationship with him is very important. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 18. Paul said this, he said, praying always, somebody say always. always, praying always. So just think about it for a moment. Paul said, I pray without ceasing for you, making mention of you in my prayers, right? So most of the time we have a prayer time. Sometimes people don't even have that. We have a, maybe a devotional or a prayer time. But God wants us to develop such relationship that really our praying goes without ceasing, we're mindful of him all the time. And so even when we're engaged in something, we may for a moment be engaged in that. But say we stop, we get in the car, and we're able in a moment to engage with him again. And as we engage with him, it really begins to direct our life. And so, you know, it doesn't, you can turn on the radio, you can do things. But if that distracts you, I suggest don't do that. Begin a practice, right, Instead of getting on the radio, uh, you know, just on the radio listening to stuff that just distracts, 
get there and just jump in your car and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you for redeeming my life from destruction. Thank you for all that you've done for me. And then just when you're doing that, you think of somebody, say, God, I just ask you to bless them. And that's so simple, but if you find those gaps in time that you once again engage with him, then he'll be able to engage with you at times that you're not necessarily aware. So we want to develop a habit of engaging with God. Not simply at the time that's convenient for us, but whenever, wherever, we're ready to engage with God. Because there's going to be a time when we get to that place where we are able to engage with God. And you're going to get in the car and you're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for redeeming my life. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord Jesus. And on the inside, he's going to put a name in your heart. He's either going to have you pray or he's going to say, I want you to give them a call. You know what? I want you to go down to the coffee shop right now. Say, well, what do you want me to go to the coffee shop for? Just go to the coffee shop. We get to the coffee shop. He says, that person right there, I want you to engage with them. Well, how are we ever going to do that if we're not comfortable in prayer? If prayer is a duty. See, that direction comes out of prayer. And so we want to get to the place of Paul. We're praying without ceasing. There will be times set, for, set aside for prayer uh, where we just engage with him, and it's our personal time of prayer. But we get to that point, like Paul said, of praying without ceasing. So here he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Now, again, in reference here, he's talking about uh, uh, the armor of God and the strategies of the enemy. So he said praying always. What does praying always or getting in the attitude or lifestyle of prayer do? It, it, it helps you be aware of the strategy of the enemy. So just as he, he may say, you know what, think about or pray concerning this person. Hey, I want you to go over to the coffee shop. He may say, don't go do what you are about to do. But instead do this. And we'll know, I'm not going to do that. Why? Because there's something there of the strategy of the enemy that praying always I can avoid. All right? So I believe that we understand that there is a, you know, those places set aside, whether it's an hour in the morning, an hour at night, an hour at noon, whatever you do, there's a set aside time where you have your time with God. But we want to come out of that. You know, I have times set aside uh, when Tasha and I are just together. We're fellowshipping together. We're talking together. But that doesn't mean I never talk to her the rest of the day. I never think about her the rest of the day. I, I just, you know what, I had my coffee with you in the morning, and that's the rest of the day I don't even think about you. If we conducted our life that way, we probably wouldn't get very far in marriage. But yet again, sometimes that's what we do with God, whether it's on a daily basis or I met with you on Sunday. I went to church on Sunday. That should take care of it. That doesn't uh, engage us in a, in a very deep relationship with him. Amen. We have a relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ. But he said, we, you know, we could still be married, uh, have that relationship, but it wouldn't be going very well. I wouldn't know what she's thinking. I wouldn't know what I need to do for her. She wouldn't know what she needs to do for me, that we could cooperate together and get more done together than we could by ourselves in that relationship. The same with God. There's so much more we can get, to get done with him than without him. And so if we're walking every day with him, 
conscious of conversation, conscious of a prayer life that we have with him, how much better it will be. And when we take that prayer life and we give everything to him, right? So we're in that prayer life. We're committed. We're consecrating our life to him. We're consecrating our words to him. We're consecrating our thoughts to him. So when you get in, in the car and you start driving and you're thinking, that person I just had a meeting with, you just say, man, is this what I should be thinking? No. I want you to change your thinking. Because that no that you just had that made you angry, if you'll change your thinking, might turn into a yes somewhere else. You know, we had a situation here when we built the preschool that we prayed about, and, and um, just uh, one of the entities that we were dealing with said, no, no, absolutely no. So I said, Lord, we can't do it this way. And we just continued to pray, and I was praying about the situation, but, you know, we had a no, no with him, and, uh, uh, you know, I just got to this place where I was like, uh, I, was, I was upset with him, just to be honest. But then the Lord said, I don't want you to be upset with him. I want you to pray. I want you to pray. So last meeting we had, we thought was going to be a meeting of no, you have to do it this way. So we came in. He was postured for a no. But we're just sitting there. We're kind of at an impasse. We're just sitting there. And while we were sitting there, I was like, okay, Lord, I've been praying. And out of the blue, this guy who said, no, no, no possible way, no, stopped and said, now, could you do this and could you do that? And we had already brought that up in previous meetings. Why don't we do this? Why don't we? No. But then he said, well, if you could do this and if you could do that, then it'll be a yes. Hmm. Just think what God can do. He's so much smarter than we are. And he knows how to get to people who have a no that we couldn't get to. But how does he do that? We begin to pray for them instead of come against them. Because the enemy gets his way when he gets strife and division in there. But God gets his way when we're able to pray for someone. Right? So that place of prayer really opens up doors because we're conscious not only of where we go to bless people, but we're also conscious of what God wants us to do and be aware of strategies of the enemy. Praise the Lord. So he says, praying always with all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer, supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints and for me. So he said, listen, we pray from the spirit and by the spirit. And so as we were going through this, I want to just go over this again. We did this a couple Sunday nights ago, but I want to remind you and give you some scripture about this thing. First thing when we get into prayer, really your personal prayer time, corporate prayer can be uh, uh, similar, but your personal prayer time. Matthew chapter six, when Jesus is teaching, he said, whenever you pray, begin your praying with, oh God, help me. I have some problems here that I need some help with. No, it doesn't say that. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus didn't go, pray with desperation that if God doesn't do something right now, you're in big trouble. He didn't say, come in and say, my situation is so big. God, help me right now. No, he said, the first thing that you want to do is acknowledge him. Hallowed be thy name. Acknowledge who God is the one you're engaging with. Come and honor him. Begin to acknowledge him. Say, God, I, I, I'm, I'm coming to you and, and asking you to be right here in the presence of my prayer time, and I'm acknowledging who you are. I'm not just coming and saying, listen, like, you know, like somebody at the grocery store, here's all my goods, just check me out real quick and, and get me on my way. No, we come and say, God, you're the almighty God. 
the creator of the heavens and the earth and everything that in them is. You are the almighty God. Nothing I'm facing is mightier than you. You're the almighty. You're the omniscient one. In other words, what I'm dealing with isn't catching you by surprise. You know what I'm dealing with. You know what's come against me. You know the strategy of the enemy. You know the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. You are God. And what a wonderful way to enter in and say, man, I'm talking to God. Wow. Thank you, God. I rejoice in that. And you, the almighty God, aren't far off somewhere, but you've bestowed your love upon me. You've made me your son. You've made me your daughter. I'm a child of the most high God. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. Isn't this awesome? God, I love you so much for sending Jesus to redeem my life from destruction, to pay the price for my sin, that I could be right here talking to you, the Almighty God, conversing with Jesus, my Lord and my Master, inspired and things revealed by your Holy Spirit. I'm in a place with God. Wow. Because when we magnify him, we acknowledge him, we invite him into our situation instead of telling him our situation as if he didn't know. God, I got some problems here that I need you to take care of. Like he didn't know you had a problem? Come on, he knows we're a hot mess. And he still loves us. And he says, like, I'd tell, I'd like to take that and make that hot mess hot success. But I'm the only one that can do it. And so we're looking to the one, we're looking to the solution more than the problem. And if we approach him that way and say, listen, you're the one that solves every problem. You're the Lord God Almighty. You've already seen this coming. Some people say, well, if he's seen it coming, why is it happening? Because you didn't know he saw it coming until just right now. Right, if we get into the habit of this, there's going to be things that we were coming that we don't even know were coming because they got stopped because we were in fellowship with Him. But some things hit because we haven't paid any attention to what He's saying, what He's doing, and the enemy gets in there, and then we're learning, why does this happen? God, I'm here. I know I haven't been here for a long time, but I'm here because I'm a mess. And He's like, Yes, you are. And thank God for the blood. Because he says, I know you haven't been here, but you're here right now. So let's get busy on getting things made right. That's how loving he is. And that's how easy we can approach him as a father. We can say, listen, this looks like a mess. But see, when we get to the point of going like, where were you? What did you do? We're not acknowledging the God who's always there. But we acknowledge God as God. He all of a sudden, we all of a sudden begin to realize, you knew this, you saw this, I didn't. That means if you saw it coming, you know where I am, and you know where we go from here. So if I didn't follow you into this, I'm grabbing on and I'm following you out. Right? And if I'm here for a reason in the midst of this to shine as a bright light, if I'm in this dark place to bring change to this place, then you empower me, anoint me, and instruct me right now. Because I'm not getting out of it if I'm here to change a life. So we have to know that. So we start, we begin to tell him who he is and that. 
begin to thank him, we begin to rejoice. So after you acknowledge who he is, begin to thank him. As we said, at least three things that you're thankful for. First Thessalonians uh, uh, chapter 5 says, um, Rejoice always in everything. Give thanks. This is the will of God concerning you. In every situation, not for every situation. I know that's just a word, but some people are. How am I supposed to thank God for this? He didn't say thank him for it. He said thank him in the middle of it. Why? Because he said it, it might be here, but if you thank me, I can begin to elevate you above the situation. Because he inhabits our praise. When we begin to be thankful, you know, he says rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Be thankful in everything. Give thanks. Scientific studies have showed us that rejoicing, laughter, and thanksgiving release endorphins, release chemicals into your body that bring healing. Depression, murmuring, complaining release things that are not healthy. So again, when he says, just obey my word, put it to practice, it can be health and strength. Health and strength. So we come to him in our prayer time. We begin to acknowledge who he is. We begin to rejoice in him. If you sing, this is a great time to sing. This is a great time to just start lifting praises and sing in my own personal prayer time. This is what I just love to sing before we get into anything else. And, and really in, in that place of, of beginning to thank him and and praise him for things. We get to that place of, of really now we've gotten who we're talking to and why we're talking to him and how we can give thanks in everything. And then we begin to say, listen, these are the things that I'm dealing with. And Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He said, cast all your care upon me because I care for you. This is a place where we've acknowledged who we're talking to. We're acknowledging he's the one that can handle it. If I can't, he can. So God, I'm offloading right here. Here's the things I'm dealing with. Because I want to get those out of the way right now. I want to give those over to you, cast those upon you, because your burden is light, your yoke is easy. So I'm taking these things that have weighed me down, I'm giving them over to you. I'm just offloading them. I don't need to tell you all about them. I don't need to tell you all I feel about them, how I emote about them. You can if you want to, but why? He already knows how you've been emoting. He already knows how you feel. He already knows it's burdening you down. He says, just come unto me. And give it to me. And I will take that away from you, and I'll yoke you to me. So whatever you're doing, yoke to me, we'll get the job done. But the enemy's tried to yoke you to the problem. So if you'll say, this is the problem, he'll unyoke you from the problem and yoke you to him. So why are you telling us this? Because I want you to utilize your imagination when you pray. God, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm offloading it. You're unhooking it. You're taking the yoke that I've been connected to, the distraction that it constantly is, the burden that it is, and you're taking that off in this place of prayer, and you're yoking me to you. And so now I'm in a place of realizing I'm yoked to him in my prayer time. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him. Now I'm not talking about the problem. I'm still praising him. I'm worshiping him. And then I begin to get to this place where I say, how? How is it? And so I, I rephrase this a little bit based on what somebody said about the last time, what do you think about me? So just ask him, how do you view me? 
How do you view me? You need to start hearing how he views you. How, do you, how, how am I going to get there? Well, I'm going to start to understand through the word of God. He views me as more than a conqueror. He views me as righteous. Right? He views me as holy. He views me as strong enough to overcome. You might not view you that way. You might view you as weak. You might view you as a failure. You might view you as, as stupid. But why do we want to get into this point in time? Because if that's the way you view you, you come out and go, oh, I believe Jesus thinks I'm stupid. You need to go back in until you hear him say you're more than a conqueror. So that when you get into that next place where you'd say, you are so dumb, you don't. You say, no, you're more than a conqueror. And so where you failed because you think you're so dumb, pretty soon you won't fail. You'll overcome because you've heard him say you're more than a conqueror. And you say what he says about you. So you can hear me say that about you. You can hear me read that scripture about you. But when you're talking to him, the God of the universe, the one who saved you, the one who made you more than a conqueror, and you imagine him sitting right there in your prayer closet with you saying, you are more than a conqueror. You are redeemed. You are righteous. You are sanctified. You are holy. And you say, I'm holy. So the next time temptation comes to sin, you're like, why would I do that? Righteous people don't do unrighteous things. Holy people don't do unsanctified things. And I'm holy and I'm righteous. It's how you view yourself. Well, how did you get that view of yourself? Through him? Because my prayer time is important. I'm listening. I'm engaging with him. He's not going to say something contrary to what he's already said, but the Holy Spirit's going to take what he said, make it real, and magnify it and apply it to me. Come on. If we get into this place daily in prayer, you're going to find yourself in places you've never found yourself before. You're going to find yourself in attitudes you've never found yourself in before. All good. Because when the enemy comes, you're like, ah, I ain't fellowshipping with you. Come on, when he said, Jesus said, now you go into your closet. I understand the context. He said, don't get out on the street corner and make a big show of your praying. He said, you go into the closet and you shut the door. Why do you want to shut the door? Because you're just saying, devil, you ain't coming. I'm having a personal, intimate time with God. Nobody's coming in here, right? We, we've said this before. It's just a joke with us, you know. Sometimes uh, we'll get into our room, and then Tasha will start talking about the church. And I'm like, it's just way too crowded in here. I don't want the whole church in the bedroom with us, right? I know that mess, it's a messed up picture. But I'm just saying, every situation and every, everything the devil's ever said to you, Just shut it out. You're in intimacy with God right now. And when something comes and says, well, no, you don't have a right to be talking to God. Shut up. (laughs) I mean, you just have to be bold enough to say that. And you do. You know, Pastor Tasha said, I think it was last week, she said, you know, I I started praising or something out loud. And then I, I got quiet because I was just by myself. Isn't it something about the devil? When you're in church, you're like, I don't want anybody to see. I'm not going to get too loud. I'm not going to raise my hands. Just, I'll do that at home when I'm alone. Then you do it at home when you're alone. You're like, nobody's here. This is stupid. 
So somewhere you just have to say, whether people are there or people are not there, I'm going to praise God, I'm going to worship God, I'm going to inhabit. So when I'm in my prayer closet, I can just be loud. I can tell the devil, shut up. I can say, thank you, Jesus. I can sing as loud as I want because I'm engaging with him. This is my prayer time with him. This is me with him. And so when I can say that, he'll tell me I'm valued. When I talk to, to the prayer school about this, you have to understand the enemy's always coming to devalue you. And if he can devalue you, you'll do the strangest stuff. You'll do stuff that hurts you. You'll do stuff that works on you. See, we started to understand somebody else devalued me, and that's why my life's a mess. But we've never understood that we've allowed the devil to devalue us, and we believed it. But Jesus will say, don't let that happen anymore. You are valued no matter what you've done. You say, how, how, how in the world can you look at me with value, Jesus? He said, because I paid for your life. And the value of anything is in the price that's paid. And Jesus will never say to you, you're worthless. Listen to me, somebody needs to hear this. Jesus will never say to you that you're worthless because he paid the price of his own blood for you. So anybody who's telling you you're worthless, it isn't Jesus. Because he said, you're worth more than anybody could ever imagine. I paid the price for your life. You're not your own. You're so highly valued. So quit thinking of yourself at a low value and giving yourself over to stuff that makes you feel valueless. Because I have bought you with a price. And you are precious. And you are worth every drop of blood I paid for you. Man, when you hear that, you're going to say, all right then. I'm not doing anything that devalues this life. Wow. Come on. This is what you can get in prayer. This is what you can get in prayer. Why would we say, oh, God, I got to pray. I got to get up early and pray. You get to get up. And fellowship with the Lord God most high. You get to sit in a place and listen to what he has to say about you. Things he sees in you that you haven't yet seen in yourself. Neither has anyone else seen it. But he sees it. He knows it. He created it. And he wants to tell you about it. And he wants to expound upon it. So you have a reality and a confidence in it. So it doesn't even have to be showy. It just has to be powerful. That I walk in and know my value in any situation. I don't have to advertise my gift or my calling. I just know I'm here by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I know what I bring. So I'm aware of the value that I've just brought into the room. Might not ever preach. Might not ever pray. Might not ever prophesy. I might. But I might just love on somebody. I might just encourage somebody. Never know. But if I'm always somewhere needing it instead of having it, if I always need to be recognized, how am I going to recognize someone else? 
If I always need help, how am I going to help someone? And so that's why God's saying, I'm bringing my church. I'm bringing a culmination, all right? I've, I've ministered to your needs. I've ministered to you. Now you see me. Now you know me. I want you to get into prayer. I want to start talking to you personally, not about all the high and lofty things. I want to talk to you about the humble things. Go into that person that you work with. Why? Because you have great value. You have great value. Right? Hallelujah. What do you admire about me? Man, he could go on forever and ever. I admire your strength. I admire the love that you have. I admire your peace. I admire your joyful spirit. I admire your compassion. You're like, how does he admire that? I don't have any of that. Oh, you do. And he's developing it on the inside of you. It's called fruit of the spirit. When we hear him say, you admire the way I love people? I didn't think I liked people very much. He goes, oh, no, you do. And I admire that about you. (laughs) Come on. We get in this interaction, you'll find out, wow. I need to start thinking about myself just a little bit differently. And I'll just give you a warning. If everything he says, like, I know that. Tell me something, Jesus, I don't know. You're in danger. (laughs) Get ready for the next part. Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Is this helping anybody? All right. So now we're just in this place. I know who I am. I know what he's doing in me. I know what he admires about me. So I can confidently say to him, where would you like me to grow? Where would you like me to grow? Now, this is taking me a lot longer to tell you than it really needs to in prayer. You can get some things done in prayer. But where do you want me to grow? What things do you want me to add to my life? And what do you want me to get out of my life? Come on, we can talk about lay aside every sin and every weight that besets us, but those weights are tricky things. Sin we know. The Bible just says whatever you know is right to do and you don't do what's right to you, it's sin. So if you're like, I know that's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, that's sin. So after you do it, come to him and say, I sinned. I did what I knew was wrong instead of what was right. Forgive me. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness, but stop it. But those weights... They're the tricky things. Those things that we wouldn't know exactly what they are, but they keep distracting us and keeping us from getting full stride in our race. What are those? And he says, I want you to unload those. What are those, God? He'll start to tell you. Start to unload this. Stop carrying that around. Stop thinking that's yours and you've got to keep it. Let it go. And you'll start to move quicker and faster than you ever have before, right? And once we start to see that, we can ask him, what instruction and correction do you have for my life? And see, we're fully consecrated to him. We've committed all our ways to him so he can say, here's what I want you to do with your thoughts, with your feelings, with your your words, with your career, with your calling, This is the place. So we start getting corrections. We start uh, embracing that, knowing he loves us. Whom a father loves, he corrects. 
and instructs. So we've been embraced. We know God loves us. We know what he thinks about us. We know he thinks we're valuable. We know all that because we've been talking to him. We've been praying. We haven't gotten religious and just reciting. We've been talking to him. We've been listening what the Spirit of God is saying to us. We're embracing it. So we're open. We're like, correct me. Correct me. I don't want any of this value to go to waste. I don't want any of these things that you admire about me to be diminished. What is it that you want me to change? Where is it that you want me to go? What's the direction of my life? So I'm open to that correction. And we start to see and we say, okay, God, where do you want me to serve you more effectively? Where do you want me to serve you more effectively? Where do you want me to serve you in the church? Where do you want me to serve you outside of the church? Where do you want me to serve you in serving people? And he can really begin to direct our path in literally serving people. And you really know what that means, don't you? The thing you've all been waiting for. Your ministry. Ministry actually isn't a prominent position where you have to have a pulpit. The word ministry means service. So where do I get to serve somebody? With this value that you've placed upon my life, with these things that you admire, where do I go knowing they didn't come from me, they came from you? And what you've done to bring value to my life, what you've done to make my life shine, how can I bring that to someone else so that they can know the value of their life? How can I bring that place of healing to them, restoration to them, See, we can look at that, we can hear that on Sunday, we can get excited, but if every day we're praying and engaging with him, when we get in the car, we begin to praise him, say, what do you want me to do next? He may say, nothing, got nothing for you today. He may say, I want you to go here. If we engage with him and say, where do you want me to serve? God, bring somebody across my path that I can serve today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We sang that song, I'll make room for you. I'll make room for you. This is just the beginning of making room for him. Whatever your initial time, just make room for him. Just gave you these points. We can go over them again. But I just encourage us to set aside a time to pray. Some of you have a prayer time, you do it. Some of this might have helped you, some of it might not. I'll tell you, when I just got to the place where I realized I can just ask him, what do you think? What do I need to do? Man, he's instructed me so many times. I do it a little bit different. My prayer life's gotten a little better as I've learned these things. It used to just be one of those things where I knew I could talk to God. You've heard those stories. Usually I get to go in, and, and, and I can tell you about this because I've done it. You know, God, here's all these things. Here's what I'm doing. Here's, I knew enough word to just be dangerous with my own self and my prayer life. God, I'm doing this. This person should do this. My wife should do this. We got word, and, and there, it's making me upset and frustrated. And if you could jump on board with me, we could probably fix every one. And then if everybody was, <laughs> thank you, brother. Uh, uh, and, and, and if I could fix that, then that frustration would go away. I know you don't want me frustrated. But he'd almost always say, are you finished yet? So rather than leading with that and having him say, are you finished yet? I decided to lead more with humility and then say, you know, how would you like me to serve somebody else? It's just a lot better. 
Because you can get to the end of yourself and then say, man, I've taken a lot of time and now God wants to talk to me. And usually when we say I don't have time to pray, that's why. Because we run in, we share all of our stuff, and about the time we want to let God talk to us, we're done. But if we start from the beginning and say, you're God, I'm not. You know what's going on, I'm not. Jesus, you're my Lord, I'm not. Holy Spirit, you're my guide, my helper, I'm not. I love you so much. Oh, I'm so glad I can talk to you just like this. I'm so thankful you redeemed my life. I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my congregation. I'm thankful even though things around us and the government, even though that bad thing happened in that situation, even though that person is struggling, God, I know I'm thankful for what you've done. I love you so much. I want to know what you, you think. What's your view of me? Thank you, Lord. The value. All right, help me. What do you want me to do right now? How do, you, how do you want me to grow in you? What do I need to do different? Correct me, Lord. I'm ready to be corrected. Now show me how I serve. Man, that can blow up into two hours, three hours. Say, well, I don't know. Sometimes I get to that place I don't know. Well, then that's when we pray in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, don't know how to pray in other tongues, pray in the Spirit. We have altar workers. They'll help you. I'll give you a, a mini book if you, you're not ready, but it's so important. A man that prayeth in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. And how is it in the spirit he's speaking mysteries or divine secrets? When a man prays in a tongue, he edifies or builds himself up. Sometimes on a low day when it just seems like everything, you just have to go pray in the spirit. For a little while, before you even get into anything else, just pray in the Spirit and get your spirit man. You've been hammered through the day. You start to build your spirit man up. Pretty soon, you start praying in other tongues. You get built up. You start singing in the Spirit, and then you're ready to go, Whoo, God, you are God. Thank you. I'm built back up. Jude, talking about a day that he was living in when people would just be deceivers and mockers and, and, and out for their own gain. Sounds like our world today. He said, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. It's an energy source praying in other tongues. So when you don't know what to pray, this is a weakness. When you don't know what to pray for as you ought to pray, right? The Spirit helps us to pray. Not in things that we can articulate. He said we want to get to that place where we can even interpret what we're praying. He says because when you pray in an unknown tongue, your, your understanding is un unfruitful. That's a great place to unhook from everything of the day. Right? And really, you'll be amazed at what you can think about that you never thought about until you started to pray in tongues. Well, God, I'm just going to pray in tongues for an hour. You start praying in tongues, 30 seconds into it, you'll remember to vacuum the room that you haven't vacuumed for six months. <laughs> you just start to pray and engage with God. Oh, I need to call that person. You haven't called them for six weeks. Oh, I need to pay the bills. Well, that will all become urgent when you start to pray. But you know what? That bill will still be there in a half hour, an hour, whenever you get done praying need to block everything out, shut the door, and begin to pray. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand up? Glory to God. So we begin all that by committing all of our ways to Him. We come into that place and start to talk to Him like that. He knows.
We're asking him about ourselves. What do you think about me? What do you think about that? What do you think about the way I've been talking? What do you think about the way I've been thinking? I'm submitting it to you. What do you think about the way I'm doing business? What do you think about my diet? <laughs> what, do you <laughs> what do you think about my spending habits? Oh, now we've gone to meddling. <laughs> I'm just trying to help us because even though we can read it over and over and over again, we subtly, the enemy finds places where you think you're giving it all and we haven't committed all our ways to him and we get off track. We blame God for things that are happening, but that area got us off track that we didn't give to him so he wasn't able to direct it. But when we give it all to him, he's able to direct it and he may take you right through the fire. Ah! I'm going through a fire. He said, but that's okay. I'm taking you, and I'm with you wherever you go. So don't fear it. Be bold. And watch what we can do in the midst of it together. Just hang on. Stay submitted. I'm Lord. We'll get through it. So when we do that, we're just praying in that, that avenue. All right, God, what do you think about that? What do you think about the way I'm eating? What do you think about my spending? What do you think about that? That's actually making him Lord. That's submitting, submitting it to him. Man, your prayer life starts to get exciting. It's no longer a drudgery. It's no longer boring. I don't have to just recite these things. I get to talk to him about my life, what he likes about it, what he's done for me, what he's going to do, how he's going to help me. What do you think about my spending habits? Well, I think you need to change them. Dear Lord, help me. He says, I will help you. Just keep it submitted to me and I'll help you. Boy, you'll prosper. All right, Father, we thank you. We glorify you, we magnify you. Whew, with all that we are, all that we have. Right now, I pray over this congregation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, God, that a spirit of prayer come upon us. Holy Spirit, upon each one. That spirit of prayer. That where we thought there wasn't time, you wake us up. We thought there wasn't time. We begin to jump in the car. We begin to stand around the sink. We begin to pray, fellowship with you. God, there's so many facets to prayer, but even that just moving us to commune with you. To give our life to you. I thank you. The anointing, the spirit of prayer upon this body of believers, upon those here right now that have heard your word. That by the Holy Spirit, you bring them to that place. And in that place of prayer, oh God, they begin to see things. Grant unto them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Things they've not known about themselves or not known about you get peeled back and revealed to them that the glory and the splendor of who you are begins to reflect into the glory and the splendor of who we are. And in those places of prayer, there's a transformation from one degree of glory to the next, 
Oh, I thank you, Lord, that you're working in this body, bringing, bringing about transformation, that you are developing us as a glorious church, a glorious church, that the glory of the Lord will be seen, the glory of the Lord re- risen upon us as we arise in this place, as we arise at this time, as we arrive in, uh, arise in this generation, in this locale, God, as we begin to pray and you begin to show us things that we've not known about ourselves and about your call upon our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you begin to raise us to a new place. God, that you make this praying such a desired place in our life. That we'll never forsake it, we'll never go away from it, but we'll go in. We'll set it as an appointment. Others cannot come. We will not let other things interrupt our time with you. Thank you, Lord. Deal with every heart and in every life. Instruct us, guide us, and teach us. Help us. For those who haven't prayed, God, bring them just in the beginning. Walk them through what a life of communion and fellowship with you is. Those who've been praying, draw us deeper into that place. That deep would cry unto deep, God. Not super spiritual things, but things that are of the reality deeper than the superficial things of life. That we'd go beyond just the surface into knowing you more intimately and personally. Come upon this congregation even now. For the purpose and importance of the days that are ahead. Fully equipping us in the depth of that relationship. That you might lead us and guide us every single day. Instruct us and correct us every single day. Anoint us and impart to us every single day. Guide us to people That we might serve every single day. Thank you Lord. And as we reach out and serve people. With the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank you the joy of salvation. And seeing people saved. Through serving them will come. I thank you for many souls being saved in the kingdom of God. Through the service of this congregation. Individually where you've called us and corporately. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, I trust that helps you. Say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great week.